Welcome to Day One Fans, brought to you by Listening Party and recorded at Canal Street Radio. I'm your host, Lachelle Crisan, and today we're going to be talking about going from nine to five to freelance slash being a full-time artist, and we're going to talk about it with multi-talented filmmaker and visual artist Jamel Reynolds. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I like to start off by saying how I met certain people. Right. So me and you met, We I think we were friends on some social media network. Yeah. When I first moved to New York. Right. And we shot a visual and it never saw the light of day. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that too. I was thinking about that. I was like, damn, we shot a visual and like it didn't, it didn't come out. It was a really cool concept too. It was. Um, yeah. Human. Yeah. Record, yeah. I think also like sometimes you go through those things where like you kind of fall out of love with certain music because yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. I've outgrown this, but right. I haven't released a project since, so maybe not. Right. <laughs> uh, cool. So, yeah. So we'll get into the first segment, which is currently obsessed. Um, so currently I I'm still listening to the same albums that I mentioned on the last podcast because I'm that type of person who mm. like obsessively listens to something. Right. Um, but it's interesting because last week I mentioned, um, Mariba. Have you heard of her before? No, no, no. She's, um, I mentioned her on last week, but she's a singer songwriter, folk, R&B, hip hop. Mm -hmm. And I actually met her after we recorded the episode. Oh shit. She was super, super sweet. And I was Tell like, me, can, can I curse on here? Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but she was super sweet and I was, I was at, Dumbo House. My friend is her guitarist and right. we were at Dumbo House. He just invited us to come to the show and I was like singing along and she came and she's like, I saw you were singing along. Yeah. But I always love that, like connecting with um, black women artists that you've been watching for, from the distance right. for a long time and kind of seeing the glow up and right. just seeing them like embrace their fans because I do feel like with black women specifically, they know that other black women are always the first to be on board with right. what they're doing. So right. they are much more willing to like embrace and acknowledge you. So that was super dope. Yeah. Um, but I've been watching. Have you seen Black Monday at all? I haven't seen Black Monday. <sighs> I haven't seen it. It's good. I've been. In the You've case. heard of it. Yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's um, it's. On Showtime, it stars Don Cheadle and yeah. Regina Hall. Yeah, yeah. And Don Cheadle is this is head of this really shady trading firm in Wall Street. It takes place in the 80s. Yeah. It's kind of heavy on 80s references, like okay. almost laying it on just a little too thick, but mm. I kind of get it. But um, it actually, it started off a little slow for me, but then it got really, really good towards the end. It's one of those shows where you're like, wow, everyone on the show is a horrible person. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've been watching that. And then have you seen, uh, Weird City at all? Have you heard of Weird City? I've heard of Weird City. I haven't seen anything in a long time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm that person. Like I will go so hard with working during the week and like my self-care routine is just like ending the day watching something. Word, word, but, um, Weird City is Jordan Peele and Chris Sanders. Chris Sanders, who was a writer on all... I think was it seven seasons of Key and Peele? I don't I don't know how many seasons, but I believe so. He was a writer on every season of uh, of Key and Peele, and they basically created their own anthology sci-fi series. Mm. But everyone's like, "Oh, it's like Jordan Peele's Black Mirror," but I'm like, "It's not right. really like right. Black Mirror because Black Mirror 
it's sci-fi, but it's every episode has a different tone depending on who's directing, who's writing. Whereas right. this is like the same tone Consistent. and it takes place in the same setting. So it's basically this world called the city of weird. Right. And um, it's divided in two halves by the line, which one half is the haves, the other half is the haves not, have nots. Right. So it's like all of these interesting conversations on class, uh, um, social structures, and even like conversations about like gender identity, sexuality, but it's also has that like very key and pill undertone of like comedy to right, it. Right. So it's really interesting to watch. They have a couple, they had a couple episodes um, with people that I actually like, like Rosario Dawson yeah. and Laverne Cox. But yeah, that's what I'm currently obsessed with. What okay. about you? Honestly, on some real nerd shit, like I've just been, because like Avengers is coming out. Oh my God. And oh, this month, at the end of the month. That's a Marvel, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So I bought my tickets and everything. So it's like just the been, Marvel All Stars kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the culmination of like, you know, this whole thing started in 2008 with okay. Iron Man. So this is like the wrap up of all the 10 years of just like, oh my God. Movie. So I got my tickets and I was just like, I'm. My girlfriend, I'm like, I'm keeping her up to speed with, with everything. So I'm yeah. just like, look, I'm going. You're going to go. And like, <laughs> I don't want any questions. So what's your what's your favorite Marvel character? Um, Slash superhero. Ever or just in these in these in these ever? Yeah. Wow, that's a hard one. I don't I don't have. Um, I've never been a Marvel guy, to be honest. Really? So how did you get into it? The the movies like got okay. me into like I've I've. So, long story short, growing up as a kid, my uncle was a huge, like, comic nerd. So, he didn't mm -hmm. have comic books in his room. And I didn't know how to read yet. So, I would just sneak in and just, like, look at the pictures and make up my own That's adorable. stories. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and the heavy comics he had was, um, I remember the ones I, I read a lot was Batman. So, Batman's, like, DC and all that stuff. So, I grew up on with that stuff. He had Marvel stuff as well. But um, outside of, like, the Spider-Man cartoons growing mm -hmm. up and stuff like that, it was... Uh, I wasn't really heavy into it. I was more on the DC right. side, but then um, I knew my history of like how stories played out and stuff. But I was always in favor of, of DC. But then when the movies came out, and yeah, I de definitely think Marvel has DC beat when yes, it comes to the films. They really do. Like Suicide Squad was Trash. terrible. The was right, really the, like the writing was so bad. Yeah, it was really bad. I was like embarrassed watching it. Right. It was yeah. really bad. It was really bad. It was. Yeah, they haven't. Now they're starting to get it going. Um, the last couple movies have been pretty good. And this, Did you see Aquaman? Yeah. Was that good? It was it was okay. Okay. It was okay. The it looks cool. like it looks like it would have like some good action and maybe it has CGI. Amazing action. And the CGI is it's it's big and it's like it's right. really good. But you know, the story is like a little cheesy. Okay. A little That's what my know. issue with Suicide Squad was though. Yeah. Well also in that like the like the dialogue, the actual dialogue in Suicide Squad yeah. was just so like corny right and also inconsistent with it just right. it was bad i think aquaman is like that but it's like that on purpose okay like um you're familiar with james wan he no. does all the conjuring movies mm -hmm. and all that stuff like he directed this one and like okay. he has a certain kind of style right so i think it's just like it's supposed to be as corny as it is <laughs> so because of that like you know and i mean the story is it's, it's strong enough to like where you where you're championing like the heroes and like the villains, you're just like, yeah, you know, gotta, yeah, so stand up for the, yeah, yeah. okay, cool. cool. Anything else you're consuming? Is that just, it? um, just that, and then like, I just been 
a lot of my friends make music, so yeah. and now's the time where they're putting out a lot of stuff. So mm-hmm. I've just been like, because I I've been helping them, but like I, I'm also a big fan of their music. So yeah, I just been listening to a lot of their stuff and just like that's dope. You're yeah. a good supportive friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I feel like um, people really underestimate the role that the friend that doesn't create music plays in right, making the music right, because right. those are the people that you're like bouncing your ideas yeah, off of 100%. and are giving you honest feedback yeah. and like. It's definitely an under undervalued yeah. role. Yeah, they send me stuff all the time. I'm just like, oh wow, I feel. That's dope. Do you lucky. do you make music? I heard you do ad libs. Yeah, I do ad libs. <laughs> I did ad libs with Flo Cab. <laughs> I actually did a song with Flo Cab too. Oh shit, yeah. It was on Buzzfeed. It was um, Karen Johnson. Uh, not Karen Johnson. Whoa, Katherine Johnson. Yeah. When Hidden Figures was out, we did like a Hidden Figures theme song. Word. Um, but yeah, cool. It's fun, man. Shout out to Tierney. You know Shout out to Tierney. Yeah. She's dope. Yeah. All right, cool. So yeah, let's get into this topic. So we're talking about freelancing versus being a full time artist mm-hmm. versus working a nine to five. And the reason why we're talking about that is because um, we're in an interesting time economically where the gig economy is what the the term is, is becoming a little bit more prominent. And the gig economy is basically instead of people working nine to fives, more people are working freelance gigs Mm. or for themselves or as independent contractors. And I was actually reading an article at Forbes where they're predicting that about and by 2020, about 43% of the American workforce is going to be the gig economy, right, basically. Right, right. And so it's it's an important conversation to have as artists because um, I think years and years ago, people would be more dependent on getting creative work through studios, through agencies, mm-hmm. through deals, whatever whether they be record deals or publishing deals or whatever, whereas now people are starting to create more of their own opportunities by going freelance or by just, you know, working for themselves. So mm-hmm. you have a, an, an interesting experience where you, what was it what, like last year? Last you, year, yeah. You decided to become a full-time artist. Yeah. And then you temporarily decided to go back to work. And so right. let's kind of just talk about first the creative work that you do, and then um, we'll dive a little bit more into that. Okay. Well, um, my main thing is, uh, like, I'm a filmmaker, but, but through that lens, like, ultimate goal is just to make my own films but like through that I've, I've done you know like music videos and um the know, MC memoirs oh yeah we featured MC. that on our website yeah that yeah, was yeah. really that was really my dope first, yeah that was my first uh creative like project um, that was like that was like a hybrid project yeah it was, it was a, like it was, it was like a web series but also an album and also kind of like a musical right, but also right, right. kind of like just a, like a, almost like just a film you could just right. watch it straight through yeah 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 so that was my first project and that was like that's my that's my very child. ambitious yeah yeah it was it was a lot of work how long like when did you conceive the idea and how long did it take for it to actually come into fruition um the mc memoir well let me i guess i should explain what it, what's it, what it's about so the mc memoirs is a like it's a hybrid of a bunch of different things, but the, the main story is that it's about a, uh, a, a woman. She's an MC. She's really good, but um, you know she lost the power. Well, she didn't lose the power, but she she um, hides that power of her voice, uh, that art of rapping, um, due to the loss of her brother. And so that film is about her journey of like coping with loss through the art of hip hop and just like you know just glowing up in that process. You mm-hmm. know? Um, and so it's told in like each section is told as a, as a song or 
as, as if you were listening to an album, but then you're able to watch the story play out visually as well. Okay. And um, so, yeah, that whole idea started way since I started film school, actually. Okay. Um, I went to the Art Institute for in 2009. And so I remember one of the first projects we had, um, first semester, I was just like, yeah, I want to do this this project about hip hop and you know hip hop is personified as a person and blah 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 and then um yeah everyone was just like that's too ambitious for right now we, can, we don't know how to do that yet and i was like ah oh, damn and then um shot your dreams down. yeah yeah it was like no 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 we're not gonna we're gonna do something else that's like uh easier it was what we did our my my best friend who's my roommate and my um one of my creative partners like we ended up doing his project which was really dope and it was fun and we executed that uh well um Ren Revolution. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, the Ren Revolution. I'm That's tired the... of this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Ren Revolution. Um, and as a collective you are a yeah, part of that includes collective. your close friends yeah. who you also create a yeah, lot exactly. of creative work with. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So um and then it just evolved from there and then I'm I remember I was working at this shitty job. You were working at UPS? No, no, no. This is oh, that, That's when I met you. You were working yeah, at UPS. Yeah, but there was another. There's another. Um, I was working at a fitness place, and I was front desk, and it was like terrible. Oh we were like a, We were like in a basement, and it was just like it was the worst. And during that time, I just had a lot of time to just think about because I was upset because mm-hmm. I was doing like a shitload of internships, and like none of them were panning out. Right. And I was just like, you know what? I need to just. The only thing that was getting getting me any kind of notoriety was when I was doing music videos mm-hmm. for, you know, my friends and stuff. And, like, they were hit, like, you know, those blogs and everything. And so I was just like, you know what? Like, okay, when, let me do something with all my homies. Right. And, you know, it, it helps it helps me, helps them. And we're all just, like, working together. So, you know, it, it just developed from there. And um, so, yeah, that whole creative process probably, the idea probably took years to come about. Right. But then um, once once I solidified it and like wrote it down, it probably took like maybe like six months to get into the filming process of it. Because okay. then I had to speak to my homie Seg, who's a producer, and like we spoke about the music, and then he started like creating the sounds. And then yeah. while he was doing that, I was just you know finding like who fits what part and just right. like how it's gonna work out. And that probably took six months, and then. We just started shooting the next year. The shooting process was took a little bit longer because um, one of my friends, Laf, during the time he Lafayette Stokely, he ended up having twins. Oh wow! While we were like while you guys were shooting, yeah. So we so we were just like shit, and so. But you saw the project through, which is the topic for another episode. Right, but like right, right, the right. fact that it took a long time, yeah. but you still saw it through to the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. dope. That's what yeah, that's what it was, and it was it was fun. I, and I'm still the the beautiful, most beautiful part about it is that like I started a group chat when we were all filming mm-hmm. and stuff. Until this day, like we're still talking to each other. Wow, we're still homies. We went out to Cal. All of us went out to California. That's dope. Like last November. Dope. And we're just like we're like family now, you know. Yeah. And I, that was the best part of that whole situation. So like those are the people that you're gonna constantly cast in your films, like Spike Lee does. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. One hundred. That's what I told him. You know. Yeah. You have to do that, especially as creatives of color. Like, um, we're really great at obviously mobilizing in our communities, but also creatively too. You said something interesting that made me think of something when you said that you did a lot of internships that didn't pan out. Yeah. There is kind of, when it comes to like getting creative work, let's say in a more traditional setting, like a nine to five corporate world, um, 
there is kind of this glass ceiling that you have to break as people of color because i mean you go to a lot of these creative agencies that are responsible for some of the biggest ad campaigns or movies or music and it's usually not diverse at all like you're you're hard pressed to find any people of color did you ever experience any of that yeah 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 like two big ones that stuck out in my head was just like i I remember I, i i was doing one internship at this um it was a production company they did mostly like documentaries and and stuff like that but um, it was me, and then like there was another, like there was another, it was three black, black men that were. Mm-hmm. It was me and two other guys, but one was um, an editor, and another guy was like higher up. He was like you know like an assistant, like producer type. He had a higher job, higher up uh, position. Then um, the the guy who was actually running the the production company, he had he had brought in two two women. It was like two white women. And they wanted to shake things up. They wanted to have like some documentaries featuring um, or some reality shows like featuring like, you know, people of color and hip hop based, but like yeah. not like hip hop, like how we right. live. It was just like rap and, you know, that's the commercial. Yeah, commercialized. And um, which is cool. Uh, but um, I remember there's one situation where like, you know, I had to do some research and I did it, whatever. And she was just like, wow, man, like, you guys could be, like, our urban de- department. And oh I was just God. like, yeah. <laughs> but, like, it, it's, I do think that it is important for organizations to have somebody dedicated to diversity. But right. at the same time, why does it, why do I have to be in the urban department? Why right. can, Why do I have to, like be the spokesperson right. I, I could just as easily as do all this other generic crap that right, you want me to right. do but because of my experience you kind of almost it's like you kind of want to like whore me out did you hear about that story with uh beyonce and reebok recently yeah yeah i did I where did. she was just like uh no and i respect that because there's so many people who are behind the scenes in creating things um that don't actually have the wherewithal or the cultural um, connection to mm. a lot of the things that they're putting out there, and it's frustrating. Yeah. It's very, very frustrating. It yeah, it was it was weird because like I felt like and they were trying to find a place for me. I went in there under the impression that I was going to be hired. Right. right. Like that's what it, that was, that's what was told to me. Like right. they were just like oh, yeah, we're gonna hire you or whatever, whatever. But like I was, I remember like six months ago by like a year is you know coming yeah. along and I'm just like like yeah we know we're just trying to figure out like where to place you and I'm just like like nigga I could edit like you know what I'm saying like I could <laughs> right. like, you know what I mean like you edit your little show like I, I like why is this like a special like right thing you know and then right. like I remember one day I walked in at the front desk and and you know a production assistant like there was this new white girl production assistant that just popped in out of nowhere and I was just like and it's like, yeah, you know, we're still trying to fi- find a place for you. And I'm just like, yeah. I could have done that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, so immediately, like, I left. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm out. I, I, I 100% feel that. Like, so getting back to, like, the topic of, like, freelancing, like, that's kind of part of what made me want to quit my job right. is because I felt like. I felt like the opportunity to get promoted was being dangled over my head. Right. Like, oh, you have to hit these marks. And it's right. just like, but I've hit a lot of marks and I've right. made a lot of progress here. Right. And like, how much more work do I need to put in to prove that I'm worthy of right. this? And like, why? Right. When like, you cl- this, this organization clearly has been doing better since I've been here. Right. 
Um, so I guess a good question is when, so when you decided to pursue art as a creative mm -hmm. in your mind, how did you see that happening? Did you see yourself, you know, working for like a major production company or did you see yourself as like, I don't know, I don't know how it's going to happen or I'm just going to make it happen on my own. Like where was your frame of mind? It was a little bit of all of that. Really. Okay. It was like in the beginning, like, you know, going back to film school or art school when I graduated, like, of course, like I saw myself working in a, company whatever because mm -hmm. like you know when you get the when you go to the 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 um when you go to the school and then like when you speak to the career services department whatever they sell you this like thing which is also a funny thing like the career services lady was just like i want to make you the next spike lee and i was just like okay like who says I want to be the next Spike Lee? You know what I'm saying? Like Spike I'm Lee is dope. I'm gonna be the next Jamel Reynolds. Right. Like Spike <laughs> Lee is dope. Like don't get me wrong. Like, but Spike he's, Lee he's is Spike legend. Lee. But, like why the fuck are you trying to make me the next Spike Lee? Like right. And then not do anything on top right. of that. So you know they sell you the dream like that kind of thing. But you do see yourself in like a production company. But then like once you get out of school, you're just like, I don't know how this is gonna happen. Like right. I, well, this music video thing is working, so maybe I'm just gonna make music videos. Right. And then you know bounce off of it into that space and then it just it just comes along um differently in every kind of like level that you hit you know right so when did you reach the point of knowing that you can no longer do the nine to five work or not even just knowing that you could do it because i feel like a lot of us know that we can't right. do it but still have to do it but just knowing that it was time and that you just had to make that move um a big thing was Honestly, my relationship, like with um, my girlfriend, she, she's been doing it. Um, Latasha, she's been doing it for. Who's very dope, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's been doing it for years. You know, she's mm -hmm. been like on her own, grinding. Like she's not even signed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, she's just been doing it, just doing shows and all that stuff. And like, um, I think the closer we've got, we got in our relationship, and once we started dating, like officially and stuff like that, you know. There's a lot of knowledge and insight that, that she gave me on, like, how mm -hmm. to, like, maneuver and, like, what I should do and stuff like that. That really, like, kind of put a battery in my back. And I was yeah. just like, all right, boom. Like, I think I figured it out. I think I know I'm going to leave it this time and, like, I'm going to do it this way. And, right. Yeah. When you were working nine to five, mm -hmm. what, was your what was your last day job? Oh, uh, UPS. UPS. Okay. Yeah, UPS was the last one. And so how, how did you manage to balance working on top of your creative projects? Was it easy for you? Cause you're just, it wasn't like a super demanding job or. Yeah. I mean, off rip. I, I remember when I was applying for that job, the first thing I said was like, look, this is temporary for me. Like I'm, I am a filmmaker. Like that's the goal that I'm after. I'm just, right. I just need to get money. I need to pay bills. Right. So I was super honest with them in like in the beginning. So. I mean, what can they expect? Right. So, <laughs> UPS, like, you think I'm going to, like, make my career? Like, right. Yeah. Right. So, but just in case if they know that, like, yo, boom, like, I need to take this day off all of a sudden, like, you're not just, like, hit with, like, you know, you're hiring me, you're hi you're going to hire me based off, like, what I'm telling you and, like, right. and, you know, we'll take it from there. So, that was one. And that, But even, even so, even being honest, like, mm -hmm. I would still work five days a week and, like, I didn't... I didn't specify, like, it would have been really great if I had a weekends off. And like, right. I didn't. And it would just be random days. And I was just like, and then closing and then opening the next day. And I was just like, man, it was still strenuous. And I was just like, this isn't going to work. And then um, then my relationship is like, 
is going well and but then there's like the creative relationship mm-hmm. that's in my relationship as right. well where we're working together and so you know I come I started doing like um Latasha's visuals and all that stuff mm-hmm. and like that stuff is starting to you know it's starting to go because then like she's she's doing um stuff for National Sawdust and Brooklyn Museum right and like I'm part of the I'm I am her visual her department you know what I'm yeah. saying so like um I just needed more time I just needed a break and then because of that stuff happening, then like other places are hitting me up. Like, you know, my first gig when I started doing freelance was um NYU at that with NYU at um South by Southwest, you mm-hmm. know. And so everything was starting to happen at once and I was just like, you know what? I think I need to let one thing go. Uh-huh. And to just fully immerse myself. And it's myself. gonna have to be you. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna have and to be I this just need job. To fully immerse myself into like what I'm doing because like all signs are just leading to that anyway. There's too much good things happening. Right. Um, in this aspect that like I can't hold on to that anymore. So what was that initial transition like? Was it scary? Did it help boost your creativity? Like what, what were you going through when you originally decided to do that? Well, luckily, uh, well, the right after I quit, um, we went to Los Angeles. And then because uh, she was recording like this special project. And then, um, then we went to South by Southwest. So. Immediately, it was fun for me. I was just like, "Oh shit, I'm here!" Like, and I'm shooting the, I'm shooting like a documentary behind the scenes of her recording, and then right. like, I have those jobs in South by Southwest and all that stuff. So it was initially, it was fun, and like, um, I think it was, I think it's the best way to get into it, just mm-hmm. to like to get out of New York, and like, um, there was no stress of New York being there. It was yeah. just like I just got to fully immerse myself creatively, and then, um, then when I got back, uh, you know, I came back with like still doing uh nyu stuff and mm-hmm. but then like that's when the, that's when perspective and all that stuff started to uh, hit and i just had to learn how to maneuver in this new space that i'm in so one of the things i feel like people don't really talk about enough when it comes to first of all i should i should backtrack i should mm-hmm. say there is a difference between being a full-time artist and being a freelancer they're not necessarily mutually exclusive things right yeah, you 100%. can be you can definitely be both right but there is a distinction where a full-time artist is literally like you 100% are making your money off of what you are doing. Right. Whereas a freelancer, it's like you are getting paid by an organization, a company mm. to do a task, a gig, a job, whatever. Right. Um, but one of the things that people don't tend to address um, is the amount of discipline that it requires to be able to do it. Because yeah. I think... I think people tend to glamorize the idea of being a full-time artist. Yeah, right. um, I know recently there was like this whole thing on Twitter where people are like, don't shame nine to fivers. And like, there is no shame in having a nine to five. Oh, I respect it. And getting your check, especially right. if you are not financially in the position to be able to just quit your job and pursue your art full time. But also like, just because you are making your own money, and do, doing the things that you want to do doesn't mean that automatically your time is your own right. or it's just this free for all. Like it requires a lot of discipline and I would say more work than it required when you were working a nine yeah. to five. Yeah. So yeah, what's your relationship with like discipline and like it's it's so important because like it's really when you get when you're getting into this lifestyle, like I always say that like I always tell people like, oh, you really have to unpack and unlearn like a lot of stuff that you're accustomed to mm-hmm. when you have a nine to five. Just even your daily thought process is just different. You know yeah. what I mean? Like 
you know, I have a homie, he calls me, he's just like, man, you get to do whatever you want all day. No. And I'm just like, yo, I'm on the clock every, like, you know how you got a clock in and like whatever. You're on whatever. the clock 24 I'm hours. I'm on the clock every day. Yeah. Like every day. You know what I mean? Like it's not, and, and the things that come with that, even like, even my Instagram posts are just like, it's for work. You know what I mean? Right. It's calculated. Like it's not even like, I mean, I don't want to say like I'm, I'm being fake, but like. No, but like you, you know? there is, there is a level of like, you do need to sell yourself exactly. as a, and market yourself as an artist. Like it's exactly. one thing if you're on Instagram, just like posting, you know, three paragraph affirmations on wellness right, right, <laughs> and right, just, right. you know, post getting your fits off or whatever. But like. You you primarily do post your work, which your right. work on Instagram is amazing, Thank by you. the way. Um, and that is part of it. But I do sometimes people kind of discount that and make it seem like that's not work. <laughs> yeah, like you're building relationships, you're nourishing like you right. know things that are already there. It just stimulates me creatively. It's just because like that's how the digital art thing all started. It was all therapeutic in the first place. But um, yeah, but like it's everything that that happens, like your whole lifestyle is just different and discipline plays like a heavy factor in that like you have to because th at that point like you have to know when to turn it off right yes like you have yes. to know when to like stop and pay attention to like life and being that's present. why i have my my i watch tv thing at right, the end of the day right, because i'm like right. i may have been up since like 6 a.m and just went hard for like a good like 15 hours get to that point where you just need to like shut it off yeah yeah, because if you don't you shut it to. off, you burn out. If you burn out, you're not going to be effective or good at what you, you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even help you creatively just constantly being on. So, like, you have to know right. that, like, you know, when you turn it off and, like, you know, you're not thinking about something, boom, out of nowhere, like, an idea just, like, pops into your brain. And that's because, like, as a creative, like, you're, we're constantly being stimulated creatively. Yeah. Even when we're not. Yeah. So, yeah, discipline is, is, is heavy on that. Like, and just structuring out your day like like I going back to my partner like in in her bedroom there's just like walls of like white like there's like you know the whiteboard yeah and just dates and organ like super organized like my room like in my place like <laughs> there's nothing there there's no walls and everything like, right it's like I'm now I'm getting into the process of just like structuring and, and doing all that stuff but like right discipline and just like even like the days where you wake up and you're just like, oh, I don't want to do that. like, you know, even. Right. But even knowing when to just relax and then when to like, you know what? Now nah, you got you got to finish this. Like you got to do it. And then like. Do you ever feel guilty when you're not working? No, I, I love not working. <laughs> I never feel guilty about not working. No. No. I sometimes do feel guilty because I'm like, damn, I really got to I really got to do this flyer or damn, right. da, 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 da. but I just kind of I guess, again, it gets back to like structuring yeah. your own. And another thing is that a lot of artists are not structured people. So, <laughs> yo, that's the biggest thing, yo. like I'm not a structured person like that. Or maybe I, I you seem like you are. are in, in our, in our I'm own definitely way. not. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe in our own ways we are, but like I don't feel like I'm structured. You're not structured you know? in the traditional sense. Right. The traditional sense is framed around the whole nine to five. Exactly. Because yeah, it's yeah, essentially 100%. telling people what to do with your time. Okay, yeah. you wake up this time, you go to work this time, after work you, you do this, you do that. There's been times where I'm just working on a project and I just forget to eat. Like I've just been working no. the whole day 100%. and I haven't eaten anything. 100%. Like, And so I realized like, okay, now I know that before I start anything... Make sure that I'm fed. Right, right. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to get into this groove right. and then I'm not 
I'm not going to um, be able to get anything or accomplished. Even like the times, like my best time, like I, I, I realized like working during the day does not work for me. Like I got to yeah. work at like night. Yeah. Like, and, it, and like, so that means like, that means I got to sleep during the day sometimes and mm-hmm. then like wake up at night and just like go at it. Cause like when, when it's night and when it's quiet and then like I'm alone with my thoughts and I could just like knock things out easier and faster too. So right. Yeah. It's all what works for you. So what would you say is the most stressful thing about being your own boss and being an, an independent creative? Ah, money. Ooh, yeah. I was like, yeah. if he says anything other than money, then he don't money. have my problems. Money. <laughs> money. Money and then like sustaining it and maintaining it and just like... and Because if we're being 100% honest, like being an artist is really not a sustainable career path. Unless you're right. like, you blow up. It's just... Because at the end of the day, it's really not about the money. You have to have money. You have to make money to be able to create the work. Like no yeah. one's making work with and using zero dollars to create it. Right. Um, or time, which time really does equate to money, especially right. when you're freelancing, because you may need you may be working on a passion project and that's gonna take ten hours out of your day that you could have been working doing something else. Right. Um, but yeah, I definitely think like money is another thing that people don't really talk about a lot because like I said, I think it's romanticized when people think that, oh, like freelancing, yeah, you get to word. make your own schedule. Like you have to manage your money. You have to um, pay for your own health care right. if you have health care right. on top of like funding your creative projects. Like not to mention that like if you are freelancing, right, or whatever, whatever you're doing like artistically and like someone's paying you for it, like if you like say if you're doing like a, a, a job for a particular company. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you don't know, like, usually th- those checks, like, they don't come, like, sometimes they come monthly, and then, like, you know, you got to figure out, like, you got to budget, and right. be like, all right, boom, like, all right, I'm going to save this up, yeah. I'm going to do this and this and this, and then, like, because you, the last thing you want to do is spend all your money, that check isn't coming, and you just, like, for the rest of the month, you're just like, what the fuck? And you definitely can't do that in New York, because nope. it's way, <laughs> it's way too, ex- I cry a little nope. time. A little bit every time that I have to like write that rent check. Yeah. What skills have you been able to build up or improve since you've decided to go full time? Oh man, like a lot. Uh, One hand washes the other, really. Like yeah. Like my visual art stuff, and then like that helps with my film and just like how I see shots now, framing and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like before in film, I I used to hate shooting inside studios. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Like I I I skated through lighting class like i took lighting <laughs> like my friends like in the revolution like they were there and like they were just like i remember it's a funny story like our lighting exam was like an oral exam right and then like it was it was weird because like he would have us in groups and then like he would like point to like the camera and like lighting and he'd be like what does this do what does this do what does this do right or like how what is this scene saying or whatever right or like how is this scene lit and shit like that and then like you know, my friends, they would answer the question, like, and, like, I would just say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he'd be like, all right, pass. I'm like, that's how I got through lighting, That's right? not a good teacher. No. That's not a good professor. Like, I mean, he was great because, you know, like, I passed. and <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> that's not how that works. No, but, like, but, um... So I would hate shooting in studios and stuff because I was like, yo, I don't, I, don't, I don't know lights. And so over time... Um, you know, people hit me up to shoot in the studios and I'd be like, shit, man, I gotta, I gotta take it. 
and then like YouTube, which is the best, the best professor really, you know, and then I learned lighting setups and then because I'm freelance, like, because like I have certain time during the day, I would practice and do all that stuff. The, the more you do anything really is the more, you, the more you get better at it and the more right. you want to try new th things and the more you want to get more experimental and like figure out like, oh, how did I do that? And so I think part of being a full-time artist and freelance is just like you get to do that, but that goes as a part of the the work, you know, the time that you're doing to like make um, a living for yourself. Right. Yeah. How do you measure your progress as a full-time creative since you don't have a, a job mm -hmm. like to kind of be your mile marker for you? How do you measure your progress? I think by just looking, I always look back at my older stuff really mm -hmm. and just, you know, I look back and I'll just say like, shit, like I, like I'm not even shooting like that anymore. You know what I mean? Or I'm not even creating like like that anymore. Like I've I've evolved, and so I think it's just just reviewing like your past and just like going back and just seeing like how you've pro progressed. You know that always helps you, and just um, honestly like support from like encouragement from your peers or like yeah. people and your family. Like that's that's another. When they're just like, oh, shit, man. Like, I remember, right. like, you know, like, stuff like that. Well, that's um, good because that means that that's more important to you than, like, what another person might consider, quote, unquote, progress. Right, like, right, right, right. in the more traditional sense, because that kind of gets back to the core of, like, it really being about the craft of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and being purpose driven in that. Right. All right. So we're going to outro with a segment called okay. Hustle or No, oh. which is a, a play on hustle and flow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where I'm basically going to present you with a few hypothetical scenarios and you have to tell me if you would take the opportunity or if you would say, nah. Okay. 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 All right. First one. Yeah. What's your favorite TV show? Wow. Any, just pick anyone. Oh man. Off the top of my head right now. We just go with Game of Thrones. Okay. That's the, that's the one thing that's just in mind. So you get the opportunity to DP on Game of Thrones. Okay. But you have to pay for your own travel expenses up front and money is really tight and rent is coming up. Do you A, pay the rent and focus on creating your own opportunities or B, say fuck it and go? So they asked me to DP on Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I have to pay the travel over there? Yes. And money is tight and, and rent is, is coming tight. up. And then, but I, I'm going to get paid. Yeah, but you're not going to get paid until after the gig. After the gig. Knowing me, though, I'll probably do it. <laughs> no shame in that. Knowing me, like, I'll probably just risk it and be like, because, like, you know, you that's DP on Game of Thrones. Like, that's, your name's going to be in a, like, you could, it could go somewhere. It could lead to more gigs. And then, like, I hit my mom up. Hey, look, I need to move back for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Right. You can make it work. Okay. Yeah, you can make it work. All right. Uh, next one. So the MC memoirs mm -hmm. gets picked up by a major TV network. Okay. But you do have to relinquish a significant amount of creative control and reshoot it to appeal to a broader audience. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't even care what the options are. Nah. 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 <laughs> nah. I respect that. Integrity. Yeah. All right. Last one. Your artwork, your visual artwork mm -hmm. gets picked up by a major gallery, okay. but it's a $300 a month uh, display price plus the gallery takes a 30% commission. Are you going to showcase there 
in hopes that it opens doors in the art world or use the offer as leverage to get your work shown in a lesser known gallery um, with less commission and no monthly fee. Depends on what the what the art is. <laughs> it depends. Like if it's an art piece that I know that like it didn't take like I was like, it didn't take me nothing to do this, so boom. I'm but good. you would consider paying three hundred dollars a month to have your work shown at a major gallery. Oh no, I forgot about that part. <laughs> um, I don't think artists should like I don't feel like you know what, I'm not gonna do it. Because I, I don't feel like artists should be paying Right. But they do. There are galleries I know, that do. I yeah. know, I know for sure. But I, I I don't know. I don't feel, and not, and, it's, and it's not to come at those artists that do do that because right. I mean, like you. you but that's not in line do. with your values. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel that artists should be paying anything to, to, especially if they come to you. Right. If people come to you and be like, I've had people come to me and be like, yeah, you know, I want to do this and this and that, but you know, you you gotta like. I'm just like, what? You came <laughs> to me like, why am I paying you for like, nah. All right. Well, thank you thank for being you, on the you. show today. Yeah. Where can the people find you and your work? Um, you can find me on Instagram uh, at Jamel R at J A H M E L R. Jamel. Yes, and um, <laughs> yeah, just uh, I mean, Instagram is my main thing. Like, I don't really. I'm on Facebook and stuff like, but I'm barely on there. Okay. Um, and then the website uh, www.therenrevolution.com or www dot renrevolution.com and follow at renrevbk on instagram because that's the collective and we're dope and stuff like that yeah yes indeed all right this episode of day one fans is presented in partnership with listening party follow the crew on instagram at listening party presents and at canal street market you can follow the show's instagram at day one fans and me on socials at created by l if you like what you heard be sure to rate like subscribe and share bye (laughs) That was dope.